Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we are fixing the Washington Commanders. You guys know the drill at this point. We're going to talk about everything there is to talk about that could go into what is changing this franchise and that means new ownership with this franchise we'll also talk about potential new general managers potential new head coaches what they can do with the salary cap some team needs and then cap it off with a mini three-round commanders mock draft i'm trevor sycamore with me as always is connor rogers let's ring the bell Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys at the beginning of the week, and not just the beginning of the week, the beginning of the damn new year. 2024, baby. Kicking it off right with an episode of NFLSE. And today, we're fixing the Washington Commanders. A lot to talk about in this one. I know that we say that every single time, but we've got an even deeper rebuild with this team because new ownership. So we're going to dive into the new investment group who owns the team. You know, talk about some of the tendencies that we've seen from them because a couple of the people in here, especially the main guy, he owns the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils as well so we get a little bit of a taste of like oh okay does he have any tendencies so we can figure out okay who might be the next GM who might be the next head coach because spoiler alert I think there's going to be a big regime change got a lot of draft picks a lot of salary cap a lot of good stuff to get into Connor how you doing my friend how's your New Year's did you do something big for New Year's what'd you do I'm good man not really actually you know what I did this New Year's I played a lot of Mario Kart wow Uh, yeah nothing really that wild yeah, me, me and Kristen were like, you know what? Because we had, we were invited to only one party, which is, that's just enough. But <laughs> it was in the city. It's football season. It's really hard to get through Midtown and out of Midtown. And uh, I, listen, I love, I'm from New York. I love New York as much as anyone. But New Year's is uh, a big hard pass for me for the yeah. most part. <laughs> so we, we stayed in. We didn't do anything crazy. Uh, which was nice, honestly. I, there's no reason at this age to have any crazy plans. But happy New Year to you! I hope it was great. Did you? Did please tell me you topped me from sitting on the couch and just having beers. If I topped you, you mean I I went to bed maybe earlier than you did. <laughs> wow, we're done. <laughs> my we're fi- cooked. <laughs> my fiance had to work super early the next day. That's so the problem. It, we, fo- dude, when you work in football, there's like the holidays in football. They're fun, but they're so congested so we went to do stuff on monday like even even things as simple as she went to go get starbucks in the morning right, right. Well, when she was going into work and there's no starbucks open she's like why is it what is, and you forget that it's a national holiday because yeah. when you work in football 
that's i mean that's... new year's day is not really a national holiday so um no, no we we played it pretty low-key um fireworks should be illegal to the public that's oh my brother take. that was another thing big t- that's my that's my <laughs> that's my new year's take uh if anybody wants to debate that in the comments and it's just uh, not a new like I get it on Fourth of July, I, and I've it. had I've had dogs my whole life, and it's just it's part of the part of the deal. But Fourth of July, I totally get it. I love the fireworks. I, I'll go anywhere to watch them. Um, on New Year's, I dude, I just don't, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. Here's here's the thing. I'm great with fireworks. We're getting on a tangent. I promise we're going to actually get it's into fine. the show. But yeah. I'm cool with fireworks on the Fourth of July, and I'm also cool with fireworks like for New Year's, as like a um like a big show like somebody putting it on like an organization or the city or sure. something putting it on that's always to, fine to the public y'all take this way too far okay yeah. we don't we don't need to be blasting off fireworks at 3 30 a.m on new year's day new year's morning whatever it is like even if we didn't have to wake up early we don't need that people with dogs don't need that thankfully our dog i don't know how gracie is but thankfully our dog doesn't really give a shit at all about fireworks she's but- actually okay it's surprising all my it's labs good. before her though but all i'm like, saying berserk yeah. people take it too far and fireworks should be illegal to the public that's my take that's yeah. my that's my that's my curmudgeon take for the, oh and for, a lot of people are not gonna like it there are people that are just firework fiends Look, uh but yeah, i i no. listen i get it. it i don't really do it. could do it without some more trouble could anyway yeah, anyways, let's get into this. Washington happy Commanders. New Year, everyone. Yeah, happy New Year to everybody. So Washington Commanders, obviously, uh, this is a – I think we waited for a good time to do this. Um, well, they lost to the Jets, and I, I promised somebody online that was angrily – jokingly, but angrily tweeting at me, fix the Commanders, and I was like, loser of Jets Commanders gets fixed. <laughs> gets fixed. Where so I'm a man of my word. So the Washington Commanders currently sitting at 4-12. and 12. Now – with one game left in the season. Now, the reason why we wanted to wait on the commanders is because one, we didn't know exactly where they were going to draft. Now we have a much better idea. It's basically one of two picks. And we'll talk about that when we get to the mini mock draft at the end of the show. Um, and we wanted to wait because we figures that there's going to be some GM, some head coach changes, but dude, we could just do that. Like, I, th- I think that we understand where this is going at this point. This is a big prove-it year for head coach Ron Rivera, for the president of football personnel, Marty, or, uh, yeah, Marty Herney, um, Marty Mayhew, who is the general manager of this team. Like, this was a big make-or-break year for them. And very clearly, only winning four games, having a top three pick, it, it, the answer was break. Like, it bra- it's, it, it's breaking this regime new ownership with the commanders i think there's going to be a lot of big changes so that's why we waited to this point but it also sets things up very nicely for us fixing them now because it's going to be a lot of fun like the free agency portion is going to be a blast uh the mock draft like we said at the end of the show is going to be a lot of fun we're going to give you some gm candidates we're going to give you some head coach candidates all that good stuff so i think this is going to be a fun episode connor me too and and you nailed it there was a reason why you you wait on certain teams right and for washington the in all seriousness, good news is they lost that last pivotal game against the Jets. They they really tried to make a crazy comeback, and they technically did, but they, they couldn't hold on to the lead. That was a win that could swing this thing too far one way or the other that it wouldn't have felt authentic when we're doing the mock draft. Like if, yeah. they, if, they, if they beat the Jets, instead of talking about them picking at two, we're talking about them picking – five or six i was gonna say somewhere around five right like that's a really large difference in this class i want to make that very clear for a team that 
probably will be looking for a franchise quarterback. And, and that's a whole nother conversation we're going to have because I think Sam Howell did a lot of good things this year. And mm-hmm. um, they are such an interesting franchise because going into the year, it felt like, and this happens with new ownership a lot in sports. I, I often reference it on this podcast, especially the fixing ones. I've done it with the Panthers. I cover the Mets uh, only on a podcast. I'm not a beat reporter for the Mets, obviously. That'd be tough to pull off. But covering the Mets and covering the sale from the Mets or Steve Cohen, you know, I witnessed basically like an owner will come in and rather than just blowing it all up day one, he'll observe what's working, what's not working, what needs right. to be changed. And Washington was in a scenario where Ron Rivera and upper management and even the a lot of the roster – had a shot this year to get it right. And I'll say this, I Trevor, I think that it's good that they bottomed out it, rather than I never thought this team and this coaching staff was good enough to be, you know, an upper echelon NFC playoff team. I, I thought they would be an annoyance. And for a lot of this year, they were. They gave a team like the Eagles a, a tough game and things like that. But if you're going to Fully move on in every aspect. Bottom out. Have a great asset now. You could sell this to who you're hiring uh, and start to build a team. And and Washington has needed this kind of change for a really long time. Yeah, and you know it's kind of it's kind of crazy because I, I I went through this exercise and you know when I was thinking about head coaches that might take this job and and the situation that they have. You know maybe getting a new franchise quarterback, maybe all this flexibility. In my mind, because. I'm I'm 32 years old, okay? So I was born in 91. Spider-Man meme. <laughs> All right, there we go. Dan Snyder bought this team in 99. So I was eight. So at, me as a sports fan, all I've basically known when I think about this Washington franchise is Dan Snyder is the owner. Right. And the first thing that I wanted to talk about with this team is this new ownership being able to cleanse the reputation that the that this Washington franchise has because I've been told that this Washington franchise, you know, for as long as it has existed, one of the most storied franchises in in the NFL in football, has such a rich history, a rabid fan base, a rooted fan base. Like so many people care about the Washington franchise now, obviously known as the Commanders, and it just for the majority of my life, I felt like it wasn't like that. I felt like Dan Snyder was a hated owner. I, I mean, this dude. The fans didn't like this guy. I mean, it, it, I, I read that he sued season ticket holders when during the Great Recession in, in 2009, they couldn't pay their season ticket bills because obviously, because we were in a Great Recession. And he's like, yeah, uh, F you, whatever. You signed the dotted line. And like, I get it. That's business. But like, God damn. Right. You're a billionaire, man. Like, and, and people are going through tough times. I know that that rubbed people the wrong way. They were constantly raising prices for tickets, for parking, you know, sometimes when it wasn't warranted. You know, talked about how FedEx Field is has just been falling apart with with no upgrades and, and no renovations. Um, just the, the, the approval rate between the fans and the ownership, it felt like it was at an all-time low, especially over the last five years. And that's not even getting into the reports and the accounts that have come out of sexual harassment in the workplace, a toxic environment, bullying, all this kinds of stuff that was yeah. just going on in this Washington franchise, let alone the name of the team itself for so long under Dan Snyder that I always just felt that it's like, yeah, okay, like, all right, Washington might have some salary cap here or might have some draft picks here, but it's Washington, right? Like, you got to work for Dan Snyder. 
And that's not the case anymore with Josh Harris and this investment group. It's not just Josh Harris, but he's he's spearheading it. And so with him now taking over with this investment firm as the new owners of this team in 2023, that to me, Connor, is where we have to start with all this because it is truly a a, a, a new chat, not even a new chapter. It's a new book, man. It feels like it's an entirely new book for this team. And that reputation that, that has been soured for so many years now might be gone in, in, in this new ownership and then the new general manager and the new head coach. And I think that's a really, really big deal for Washington moving forward. It is because one, it makes coming to work for you much more appealing, knowing that there might be more patience um, there might be a, a work environment that is more football focused. I think that's been a big issue here is that, you know, guys will go work there and then you're doing pressers and you're answering questions about awful things going on in the news, whether it's about ownership, whether it's about something else in the organization, whether it's about how they treat the fans, whether all the way down to the jokes that what Mike McDaniel said earlier in the year that he used to have to go pay for his own coffee when he worked there. <laughs> I mean, just like things that are like unheard of when right. you're talking about the NFL, it's a billion dollar industry. Um, so yeah, I think that it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Now I'm not going to lay out, you know, the red carpet here and, and say that like Harris is, done a perfect job with the other franchises he's owned. Uh, it took a really, really long time after some really rough years for the Devils to turn things around. And right. Yeah. We know the 76ers have had a bit of a roller coaster as well. But I think at the end of the day, what matters if you're a Washington fan is that there's just more stability at the top of the organization and less BS, I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. So a little bit of, you know, a little bit of background information on Harris, who I mentioned is he's part- rich. Is it? Yeah, that's where we begin. Uh, that's where the dating profile starts with this guy. 58 years old, worth $8.1 billion, according to Bloomberg. That is significant. I mean, the man's not even 60 yet, and he's already worth $8.1 billion. Obviously, he's owned multiple sports franchises now. He, he was part of an investment group that bought the Philadelphia 76ers in 2011. So that's 12 years ago. Um, this dude was... 46 he was buying the 76 is wild uh it just an incredible uh amassing of wealth that he had through um through his uh i think private equity firm is how he got most of his money um and so they bought the he bought the 76ers in 2011 and then bought the new jersey devils in 2013 and the reason why those dates are key is because i went back and i looked up some gm history with them we'll get into those in a second but i did want to read off this quote because you talked about things being more football forward, probably the way to say it, right. you know, focused, uh, maybe yep. the way to say it. And you know, he had a quote when he bought the team. I, I think I read this either on Wikipedia or one of the articles that I was reading about him. And Harris said this, in, in sports, when you own a franchise, it's very different than a business. The public holds you personally accountable. There's so much publicity that people expect from you as the managing partners to be accountable for the organization. That's a huge responsibility that that keeps me up at night because life is very complicated. Things happen. You do your absolute best. And I spend a lot of time thinking about how do we set things up so we stand for integrity, excellence, inclusion, diversity, all that kinds of stuff when you are managing and, and moving a team and a franchise forward. And that just is 
in and of itself, night and day, it feels like from what Snyder was, certainly as things were very public with him over the last half decade, decade, whatever, uh, however far you want to go back. And so to me, that's just, it, it means that you're kind of starting off at a good place. And I, I think that it's also Washington fans should take solace in the fact that he has taken some big swings with these other franchises, whether it's the general managers that he he has hired, the trades that he has um, empowered them to pull off, um, the way that he has gone about. Because, I mean, you talk about, hey, it took the Devils a long time, and I think I agree with you. I think that was a lot of trial and error there. Um, but the 76ers, you know, they had the whole, like, trust the process thing, and I'm going to get into the Sam Hankey hiring in a second, but 76ers... Okay, they haven't won a championship. Winning championships pretty damn hard, but with tough. being in that conversation as a world class team, world class caliber organization, that means as an owner, you are doing your job. Now, to, to get that cherry on top, you need a lot of things. You need the timing. You need the luck. You need you need a lot of things to kind of work out in your favor. But as long as you were in the conversation, to me, that means that you are handling things correctly as an owner. And, and I just believe that. That quote that I had read from him um, is going to mean a lot for this franchise. And as we kind of dig into some general manager candidates and some head coaching candidates, I wanted to make sure that that was a baseline to say that the roots of this thing, I think, are, are at least in a really good place. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think it gives you hope that as they face the most important hiring cycle, they'll make in a really, really long time in terms of like, I don't know. They've just been so weird with, do, do you realize the people that have been in this building, like the people they have let walk out of this building? I forget what year the commander staff is, but Basically there's every good head coach ever. I mean, there was a time where they had on staff. I kid you not under Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, mm -hmm. Sean McVay, mm -hmm. Matt LaFleur mm -hmm. and Mike McDaniel. Mm -hmm. That is, and I understand like, I get it to an extent that you're, especially if you're an owner, you're not going to know the tight ends coach or the wide receivers coach. Like this is the next guy, right? Although if you have a good handle on your organization, I mean, you, you probably should. If you, you do got, hear listen, things through listen, the cracks. If, if you got one guy, if you had just like, let's say you, they only had McVay. That to me is like, all right, if you, happen, if you happen to let him out of the building, I get it. Timing is, is sometimes everything with, uh, promotions, you know, getting to be offensive coordinator, getting to be a head coach, all that stuff. Timing definitely goes into things. So if you had one of those guys leave the building and be successful, it's like, ah, you know, you know, we're just, you know, you, you be happy for him, whatever. They had all four of those guys. And, <laughs> and it gets get, better. And they didn't get any of Hold on. It gets better. I, I had to look because it gets deeper. Yeah. Raheem Morris was the DB's coach. Oh, great. Bobby Slowick was the linebacker's coach. Bobby Sloak is coaching his balls off for CJ Stroud. And I'm Texans about to right mention now. it. I'm about to mention him as a candidate, dude. It is truly wild. The coaches that have walked, not walked in that building that have worked in that building, which really wow. kind of makes me take a second to tip the cap to Mike Shanahan because I, growing up in New York and and a lot of people uh, around the country know this because he's coached a lot of places, but it was always like the Parcells tree. That's always mm -hmm. what you're taught. And and the, the 98 Jets have an example of this. They have an insane assistant staffing list. But now you look at the next era. It was Mike Shanahan. That totally. was the next guy. I mean, he yeah. he literally developed the best offensive minds in football. 
all the of them. Shanahan, all the of Shanahan them. tree is very real. And I think when people hear this, the Shanahan tree, they only think of Kyle. And right. his dad was the real roots of that tree. So, And Chris For- uh, For- Forster was also on that staff. You know, he's been the offensive line coach and run game coordinator for the Niners for the last couple of years. Like, it's just, All right. it's just crazy. So let's so let's kind of talk about who they have on staff right now. OK, uh, head coach is Ron Rivera. And and I will name off these names. You tell me if there's any objection. I think they're cleaning house completely. Yeah, and you're, si- you're yeah. sitting here at a four and 12 record. You're about to have a top three overall pick. And the last four years for the commanders have gone like this. In Rivera's first season, they went seven and nine. <laughs> They made the playoffs at seven and nine. Funny enough, um, they ended up playing. I think that was the year that they played Tampa Bay. Um, so they they lose in the wild card round, but they make the playoffs at, at seven and nine. The following season, they expanded the season. It went to uh, seventeen regular season games. So they go seven and ten. All right, basically the same season, but instead of first in the division, they finished third. Last season, so twenty twenty two, they go eight eight and one. So a little bit better. However. The rest of the division was getting a lot better. They finished fourth in the NFC East. And then this year, it's 4-12. and So it's basically been mediocre for this team for three years. And then this year, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, make or break season, and it's very clearly a break. So I think Rivera is out. And when you look at the guys in the front office, it's um, Marty Mayhew as the general manager. He's been there since 2011, so he hasn't been there that long, but he's been there for two seasons. And then the VP of football and personnel, player personnel, is Marty Herney, who was the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. He had two stints where he worked with Ron Rivera as a front office member with the Carolina Panthers. He also has been there since 2021. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think all of those guys are gone. I think it's a total cleaning of the house. I, I don't know. Do you do you have any objections to that whatsoever? No. I mean, there's not even a lot to hold your hat to, right? Like if you're, the, right. it's not like they just walked away from the draft and they're like, oh, but you know, they passed on Christian Gonzalez for Emmanuel Forbes is malpractice. Tough. Um, Tough. I mean, there's so many there's so many issues team building here, but that's just. There's a lot of issues with coaching and talent evaluation, and I think they go hand in hand with both the guy at the top and Ron Rivera, obviously coaching the team, but also the front office as well. It's, this is a wipe the slate clean job because that, okay. it makes it more like who's taking this job if the other guys are just hanging around. No, it's, it's it makes and it Harris no much, Harris is no dummy. He knows right. he's been through this with multiple franchises. And and I think going back to your point. When you brought up the Mets kind of saying, okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're taking over new ownership, but we're giving ourselves time to evaluate what we have. And if there's people who are worth keeping, people worth being around, building around, uh, then okay, uh, we'll be able to do that. I think that Harris in his investment groups over the last um, couple of purchases of sports teams for the Devils and for the 76ers has done that exact thing. 
he bought the 76ers in 2011. He kind of made a hire where the guy who was the head coach also like he didn't retire, but he didn't be head coach anymore. So he like went into a front office role, but that wasn't a real like hire of a GM. The first GM that he hired was two seasons later and he was Sam Hankey. And if you go to the Devils, he bought the, the team in 2013. The first GM that he hired, because he gave the current GM time to kind of prove himself if, if he was going to, you know, still be good. He was going to keep him around. Same thing, two years later. Now, I don't think that he's going to wait two years because I don't think that timing window is exactly the same. But it is. To, but I did want to look at the two guys that he hired in both of those instances as those first-time general managers. When you go to the 76ers, he hires Sam Hinkie, who was more of this analytical, you know, the, the whole trust the process. He's the godfather of the trust the process thing with Joel Embiid and building it the right way and basically tanking, like losing games intentionally to get better draft picks, to build the team the way that they need to. So it was more of like an analytical driven new age approach. But then with the Devils, he ends up hiring Ray Shiro, who was the longtime general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins for many, many years. And so he went in a complete opposite direction with that one. He went with a, right. you know, we, we said before the show, like a, like a football guy, but it's you know, a hockey guy. It's somebody who had been a GM way before, had a ton of experience, um, was much more of like, you know, came up throughout through the industry, that kind of a thing. So I don't really have a way that I think that Harris is going to lean, whether he's going to be much more of an analytical guy or if he's going to go after more of a football guy. I, I, I don't really have a leaning one way or the other because he has done both. He has them both, and I think it'll come down to finding the right pairing here, right? Does he now? Here's the question, I guess, Trevor comes down to: If he brings in a front office, do they just get full autonomy over who the coach is, right? Like that's the thing. And if that's the case, he might look for experience here because it feels like the volatility of this thing. If you bring up a more because you could have a football guy and then build out an analytics team, but the football guy is leading who the coaching staff is going to be. Yeah. If you go with a young up and comer, I respect the swing for the fences, but a lot of times when guys like this come into ownership, they want to set a floor. Like it's not often a guy sure. comes in and they're like, man, like I got to, I got to swing for the fences. And if this fails he, miserably in three years, but he kind of did like, that uh, with Hinky and right. Hinky, right was, which he, tells you like his, and Did Hinky he learn? Really, yeah, but that, like, yeah, that's Hinky thing's like, weird too. Hinky didn't like he didn't survive to see the yep. 76ers like it fully blah that plan fully blossom. You know, I'm sure 76ers fans would tell you like, hey, that had to be done to get them where they needed. But right, he did take that swing. But I, like I, I, I do cut right a little bit. But I do, I do agree with you. I feel like he's going to lean more of of a, as much experience as he can. You know, Ed Dodds, of course, like comes to mind when that's the case. He's been in a lot of these GM interviews and a lot of these conversations. He's been around the league a long time. Um, you know, we, we brought up Glenn Cook, who's been the assistant general manager for the Cleveland Browns. He's gotten interviews over the last couple of years. He's got a lot of experience in in, in kind of like the football side of things as well. But he's young. You know, I think he's 39, 40 years old. Yep. So. He's, he's a young gun, and, and so, I yeah, I, I wonder how much he is going to weigh that kind of experience, and it's just going to be very 
it's going to be a very interesting to see which way he goes. That's that's something that it's very hard for me to predict here on this show as we fix this franchise, um, and one that I'm just more looking forward to seeing what the answer ends up being. Right. It's not easy. It really it's it's not easy when you're trying to figure out essentially, you know, what is this guy that we've never really gotten to see him operate in the NFL space before looking to do. But when you go through his history, which you did a great job of, it probably tells you that he'll look more for the floor rather than trying to come in and be like this ultimate ultimate innovator um, in a space that could be very intimidating. As we're seeing David yep. Tepper go through a, an awful reality check of how hard it is in the NFL. Yeah, doesn't mean you got to throw the... drinks on people, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my God. I saw I saw a meme on Twitter oh, no. that was like, if a billionaire threw a drink at me, this would be me. And it was the SpongeBob guy who's like made out of glass, like he's just got casts all over yep. his body. He's like, if yep. a I'd, I'd have hypothermia <laughs> immediately. <laughs> hypothermia leads to pneumonia. I'd, uh, I'd yeah somehow trip and just like shatter my leg, you know. Yep, one million dollars of uh, settling for to, you know, for my. PTSD of having a drink thrown on me. So it's crazy. He, so head coach candidates, who do you like here? I know there's a lot of like factors that have to play out. The, the general manager pairing and personality means so much to working with a head coach. Um, and so obviously the, determining that goes a long, long way, but are there any names you we've gone through this process a couple of times, you know, we've done this for the chargers, the Patriots, the Panthers, you know, we've talked about, okay, some of these situations, we like some of the old guard. You know, we like maybe a Bill Belichick, a Jim Harbaugh, a Dan Quinn. You know, some of these we go, okay, Ben Johnson, Bobby Slovic, you know, like guys like that. Do you have a leaning one way or the other what you maybe think Washington might do and then also what you would like for them to do, especially given the fact that we're going to have a top three pick? Might mean Drake May, might mean Caleb Williams. So what do you think? Exactly. This is a team to me that is moving into an era now with a what they hope will be their franchise quarterback. They are going to select this player with a top three pick, maybe top two, although it's looking top two as we sit here today, especially since they close out the season against a Cowboys team that needs a win. Um, so that's really important to keep in mind here. There'll be probably two touchdown underdogs. Washington, you're probably looking to pair this coach, to basically staple this coach to that player. Now, yes, mm-hmm. you could argue... The Panthers just did this, and it went horrifically, right? With uh, obviously, you know, the Bryce Young. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that Frank Reich. No, it, right. That doesn't mean the philosophy was wrong. Exactly. They just, they just picked the wrong guy. They picked the wrong guys. And, like they and, didn't mesh together at all. And, and when I say that, I could mean they picked <laughs> yeah, either Frank you, Reich incorrectly or CJ or Bryce Young incorrectly. One of the they picked the wrong guys somehow. So somehow. So I do think they follow that philosophy because yeah. you can argue that there's other places where it's gone just fine, right? I mean, there's a lot of places where it's gone just fine, and it's so I think that that will be their mindset is that we need a head coach that's going to be here for a couple years. That's going to develop this, this quarterback and get it right because we are owners know this now in the sport, especially owners without a franchise quarterback. Having one is a commodity that you can't put a price on it for, for so many reasons. It's one 
obviously just the face of your franchise. If you have a quarterback in the league, a franchise quarterback in the league, it's what everybody identifies your franchise with. Mm-hmm. That trickles down to season tickets, to jerseys in the stands, to marketing, to belief and hope in the roster. If you have a quarterback, it makes life easier on everybody else and how to build this thing out. Owners, it's the easiest thing for them to, I don't know, reconcile with or understand, right? A lot of these guys, too, are not football people. They're not. They're billionaire investors. Um, I'm sure some of them have been big fans of the game, but they are usually older men that are being that are entering an industry that is truly wild, the NFL. It's not comparable to any other league. Mm -hmm. So it's the one thing they can relate to and understand right away. So if you go inside the mind of somebody like that in Harris, you're thinking, okay, I got to get this right. And there's no like zigzagging around it or shortcuts or I have to take the most direct route, the highest probability. Remember, this is an investor, a guy that plays numbers and money and understands probabilities and percentages and chances. I need the highest percent chance that this works out, whatever kid we take to be the Mm. face of this franchise. That's why, Trevor, to me, this is one team. We haven't done this with the other teams. I'm not even looking at the defensive guys. I'm not. Yeah, I wrote down Mike McDonald from the Ravens because he's just he's coaching so well sure I I think he deserves a shout out for how well he has coached both at the pro level um and at the college level but I agree with you I I I don't really think that that's going to be realistic and I think they're going to much go much more for those offensive guys I got three guys that I wrote down their names okay I've got Ben Johnson and Bobby Slovic, those are the two that we have talked about before. Now, they're young, right? Ben Johnson's 37, Bobby Slovic is 36. So, like, these are young coaches. And that would be a big swing to take on those guys, but they're all the rage, right? You talk about getting a new identity, getting the fans excited. That, like, that is getting one of these guys in the building could be a way to do that if of course they go through interviews and you think they're the right guy to obviously lead the team the other guy that i will bring up is frank smith who is the 42 year old offense coordinator under mike mcdaniel with the miami dolphins now he has been mike mcdaniel's offense coordinator for each of the last two seasons and we haven't talked about him a ton on this show at least i haven't so a little bit of background on him um he's been in the nfl since 2010 so he's got a lot of experience but he doesn't have a ton of like play calling experience beyond the last two seasons so he's still kind of green in that area but i found this quote from mike mcdaniel that i thought was really interesting about smith this is quote he has a thorough understanding of the game and he is a great teacher which is really what coaching is all about he also has a unique ability to anticipate problems before they arise, be that on the field or in administrative type things related to the schedule, questions that will come up with players, coaches, etc. He operates on a daily basis with a passion, positivity, humility, and that is rare and that sets him apart. I get it. Coaches kind of like talk up their guy, right? I mean, I don't shit talk many of my friends. You know, I, when I talk about my friends, I, I pump them up. I tell you the best versions of them, but like, Damn, if that quote isn't appealing, the fact that he that McDaniel is saying he is a great teacher, that lends itself to, hey, 
next franchise quarterback, this guy is going to be able to really teach them what wins at the position. Because, hey, if there's anybody that understands how well offense is playing right now in the NFL, it's somebody who works on the offensive staff as th- th- for the Miami Dolphins, right? I mean, like, they're putting up crazy amounts of points all the time. They're getting a ton of Tunga Vailoa, all that kind of good stuff. They they understand what works. They understand the speed element, the mismatches, everything. So I love that experience that he has. I love the part where he says that he, he, is, a, he is able to predict or see problems before they arise. And he mentioned, not just on the field stuff, but within the personnel, within uh, the rest of the coaches, within the rest of the players, that's a CEO type of guy. Like that's a, that's a head coach type of a guy too. So, you know, who knows how true all that is, but if it is, man, I'm throwing his name in the hat as well. And I really like the prospect of him getting to be the head coach with a guy like Caleb Williams or Drake May if they end up picking with that pick number one or number two. It's a fun one. Well, can't be number one, number two. You know what I'm saying? It's whoever's. Yeah, no, I like it. It's a fun one. It's a name we don't talk about a lot. It's definitely one of those ones that if you're on the outside like us, but actually doing the interviews, not like us, you'd love to sit down with him and just know, like, what were you responsible for? You talk to other people. What was he responsible for? What was your day to day? What are your philosophies? What do you believe in? Um, Just be around the guy and get a sense for him of being, you know, the head guy. So. That's a fun one. I I align with you on both the first two names you brought up, and then obviously the, Frank Smith is a really good um, a really good call that I hadn't thought of. My third name that I thought of that is a little bit out there, and sure, it's not a favorite. Okay, but it's a guy that I'd really like to see get a shot, and that's Todd Munkin. And, oh, sure, my man. Yes, Todd Munkin right now, obviously. He's the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, and which means he's the offensive coordinator for the soon-to-be two-time MVP Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. This Ravens offense, it took a little while. They were, you know, in the early part of the season, it felt like they couldn't find their identity. Then they were able to really lean on the run. Now you watch them. They can play however they want. It's just ridiculous. There's nothing they can't do as a unit, and Lamar Jackson is undoubtedly such a unique player in this league that it's always going to scare you to pull away from a staff and ask them to build something without having their best calling card, right? A unique player like that. But you look at Munkin, it's not just what he's done with, with the Ravens. I mean, it's really, really not. He obviously was carving teams up when he was calling plays for the championship Georgia Bulldogs. Trevor, you were still on the Bucks beat when he was there. As far as I remember, you could speak, you know, very well to him um, in a second here. I remember when Munkin interviewed for the Jets job the same year Adam Gase did. The people I talked to that were a part of that process were, were blown away. Like there was some people that walked away from the building that year and they're like, how did we end up with Adam Gase after all these interviews instead of Todd Munkin? It's a funny thing to look back on now. I think Munkin has the personality that can not only succeed in developing a young quarterback, he's clearly coming from the college level just a couple of years ago. He's also been a college head coach. Mm-hmm. So he understands working with young players. He has a really good rapport with younger players. But I also think he has this kind of careless in a good way attitude. Like, I don't care as much what people think about me that could succeed totally. in Washington. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of a guy they need. Not a guy that's you know, logging on Twitter and worried about what the writers are writing about him, or they're going to lose, they're going to lose year one because they're still rebuilding and not going to be able to handle that heat. It's definitely an outside the box one. It's definitely one that they'd have to miss out on some of their top guys. But if they went 
with a guy like Todd Munkin because they couldn't get their top guy. I would trust him to develop who they're going to draft a quarterback with a top pick. Well, it's it's going to be really tough for Munkin to be the head coach for Washington when he's the head coach for Tampa next year. But <laughs> other than I'd that, love a comeback I, story. Other, other than that, if he wants to cash two full time paychecks, then um, they can't you know, make winners in Tampa. <laughs> Winners look, in Tampa, early part of the season in Washington. Look, there's nothing in the bylaws that say that a guy can't be the head coach of two franchises. There's nothing stopping him. Look it up. Look look up the bylaws. I, I've literally said the word bylaw every year since I heard it in the movie Dodgeball, like in 2000. I was going to say, I was like, I was like, I haven't heard that in a while, and then it hit me. It's it's, it's a bylaw. So all right, anyways, um, yeah. Look, I, I love Todd Munkin. I echo everything that you said. Really enjoyed my time covering him as the offensive coordinator when he was the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. You mentioned it. He was a no-bullshit kind of a coach. He told it like it is. He was a straight shooter. And you're right. I mean, he he was somebody who... I don't, he, he didn't, like, throw players under the bus or anything. He wasn't, like, you know, saying the truth on on everything. But he, he was somebody who was just like, hey, you know what? Football and managing a football team, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I'll tell you guys what you need to know, but I'll also not tell you what you don't need to know. And I think that that's a really good characteristic of a head coach. And I I think that your point to him having really thick skin, and I do believe that he does, can work really well in Washington because that is a major market. And again, you know, I've never lived in that area. I, I never really understood it. I grew up in Florida. So when people told me about, you know, what a what a strong fan base and what a crazy market the Washington area was, I was just like, okay. I mean, all I know is that Dan Snyder is a shitty owner to work for. Like, that's about it. But I feel as though when the right guys now get in this building, it's going to rejuvenate that. And I do believe that Munkin can be a head coach that can take both the highs and lows of being a head coach in, in, a, in a major market where – it's not near maybe as much of a guarantee with some of these guys who are more green, you know, the Slovaks, the, the, the Ben Johnson's, even the Nolan Smith's where the, the Frank Smith's, you know? So I think that uh, that's a really good call out. I absolutely love it. Um, let's get into the roster. Let's get into the roster. We'll, we'll talk about, the, we're going to get into some of the team needs. We're going to talk about the salary cap. Cause there's a lot of fun salary cap money to play with here. And then we're going to give you a mini mock draft. But before we do that, got to talk about securing your family's financial future with our friends over at Fabric. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. They were It was designed by parents for parents to help you get high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policies in just less than 10 minutes. They got flexible policies that fit your family's budget, like quality policies, for example, the, the million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. That's something that you could look into with them. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and apply whenever it is convenient for you, all online into your schedule. You go from start covered less than 10 minutes no health exam required you join the thousands of parents who trust fabric to protect their family apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash nflse that is meetfabric.com slash nflse policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions so when we look at this roster team needs let's go ahead and talk about it Top four, top five team needs, and then we'll get into the cap situation. Some guys that are free agents coming up, some money that they could have to play with, some targets that they might have. But when you look at this depth chart, when you look at this Washington Commanders team, where's the team needs? Where do you think they need to hit the most? Offensive line stands out to me, and it's, 
it's yeah it's a unit that just needs to be replenished and they're gonna have to do it it's really tough to go out at the top of the free agent market and and solve your offensive line in a way that's like super high ceiling right like i think back to when the dolphins signed teron armstead those are so few and far between they're so few and far between that those kind of guys get to the market um and they're just open free agents and and armstead even for as great as he was everybody knew like this is a dude that's going to manage injuries almost every week of this contract but when Mm -hmm. he plays this is a big time ad so it's hard to say that they're going to be able to do that. But when you look at their day two draft capital, that's where I have some faith in them. Cause yep. you look at the skill talent here, Trevor, they got wide receivers. Like, you yep. know what Terry McLaurin could do. Jahan Dotson is a much better player than what we got to see this year. He, for whatever reason, has been a little handicapped by this offense. So you need to build it up on the offensive line for the new young quarterback under center. And then you look at defense. I mean, this is a team that traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Like you, you got to find you got to find replacements for those guys on the edge rusher. They're going to need an edge pass rush because I don't see them just going back into the secondary well right away. They just use a ton of resources, both on Emmanuel Forbes and Quan Martin. I don't think this is a team that's like, man, we got to keep drafting corners until it. they're going to try to develop those guys. The the new staff, assuming, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, they'll get to draft their own. But this is a team that needs a new young pass rush and a lot of pieces on the offensive line as a very, very, you know, simple starting point for a new regime. I agree. I think that there's two tiers, if you will, when it comes to Washington's biggest team needs. I think the three are three of the biggest positions that you could possibly have for team building. And quarterback's one of them. I think offensive tackle's the other. And the edge rusher's the other. Right. Um, And, you know, I I think I would love to hear what people – think of Sam Howell right now. Where are you on Sam Howell? Because I am of the opinion that certainly with this team benching him for these last two weeks for Jacoby Brissett to take over, it makes me feel like they understand they are very close to picking potentially Caleb Williams or Drake May. I know some people just say Drake May because they're picking number two overall, but I do think it's going to be a debate with what Chicago maybe does at number one or who maybe they trade that pick to who they like better. And the spicy thing is what Caleb Williams is from Washington. He's from the DC area like this, Washington, if Washington gets a number two overall pick, there could be a world where they trade up to number one because they want him. They want the hometown kid. They want the Heisman trophy winner. They want him to come home, if you will. So I think that there is a, strong possibility if they end up with the number two overall pick that Caleb Williams ends up being the guy in the franchise, whether they pick number one or whether they pick number two. But I do think that a new quarterback is coming in. And so I think that those three needs are the tier one needs. And then I would throw a linebacker and maybe corner in there as well. Um, we'll get to free agencies in a second. They've got Quan Martin. They they have uh, Emmanuel Forbes, but they're probably losing Kendra Fuller. You probably let him walk. Um, and so I think that you'll need a, a little bit there as well. So I uh, getting, go, go ahead. I, no, 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 that you nailed it. Okay. You, you I, oh, I was just gonna, I was just going to jump right into the cap situation. Yeah, please if, do. If you're looking at, uh, over the cap, um, total cap space available for this team, 81.7 million projected for 2024. That is first in the NFL. So a lot of money to play with their effective cap space. So this is taking the rookies into account which they've got some extra draft selections they've got an extra second round pick they've got an extra third round pick so that's going to be extra money that you need to sign those guys to the 51 53 man roster um 
that money is a projected $64 million. So that's kind of what you really want to go off of. You know, you don't, you, you can't spend, you know, when people go into these exercises and they look things up on, on over the cap or wherever you look it up, they look at that projected cap space and they go, oh, this team's got 80, $81 million to spend. It's like, no, not really, because you have to sign your rookies with that money. Right. So that's why the effective cap space number is a much better judge of what you can actually spend in free agency if you would like to. So, and that includes like some of the guys they're bringing back. 64 point, yeah, $64 million is, is the second most effective cap space in the league. So these are a couple of guys that they could be losing. Some unrestricted free agents that they have. And I'm, I'm curious, Connor, what you think of some of these guys. The ones that I highlighted, because there's more than just this, but I think these are the ones where you're really kind of making decisions on. Cam Curl is a free agent. Jacoby Brissett is a free agent. Jeremy Reeves, who's a big-time special teams guy for him. Curtis Samuel. Kendall Fuller. That's a big one. And Antonio Gibson. Those are kind of the, how many, the six? Those are the six that I think are the most debatable or just like, yeah, you got to bring those dudes back. Because I think you bring back Cam Curl. You know, I don't really think that's too much of, of, of a debate. I think he's a really good football player. But the other guys, I think there's a, a, a debate. So you met, who were you saying that's a big one for Kendall Fuller? Yeah, I would, I would think they should make an effort to bring back Fuller. The only reason why I would say maybe not it's because there are some decent corners that are hitting free agency, and but Fuller's, he's one of them, right? He is. He Although, is. But, you know what? I'll say this: I don't love the idea of signing corners, and their first year for you will be their age twenty-nine season. Like that's not good process. And how long has he been there? At least three years, right? He's been with them. With that trade. So he was with Washington from twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen. Then he was with the Chiefs from 2018 to 2019. He's been back with Washington. And then he's been back with Washington for the last four seasons. Yeah. He's going to be 29 next month in February. I think they might be like, hey. Yeah, I might be careful with this one. You know, just and, and not that they don't need it, but I've got a swap in, swap out solution. Okay. I think, I think maybe you let Fuller walk, but you don't just want to want him to walk for nothing and then just play new guys. Jalen Johnson is somebody for the Bears who I like a lot as a, as a corner. He was given permission to seek a trade, so I feel like they're going to just let him hit the market when the market opens. And that would be kind of like a trade of those players that I'd be okay with. You get somebody new in the building, Fuller gets to go sign with a contender or something like that, and you get Jalen Johnson in there to still mitigate what would be a open spot at corner and you're filling that with a guy who I think is certainly starting caliber level in this league. So that was my thoughts. I, I'm with you all the way. That's okay. getting a lot younger. I mean, he's 25. I was going to say, he's got to be like 25. He's 25. 26. So even if his season next year is his tw age 26 season, I'm with you on that corner swap. And then if one of them make it to the market, which is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. But if one of them make it to the market, I'm doing everything I can to sign either Brian Burns or Bryce Huff. Yeah, I, I have I have both of them on here like that. Now, here's the thing. This is what makes this exercise tough. Burns could get tagged in theory. Right. I don't right. think Huff warrants because that number for edges is really, really big. What's but, Huff going to get? What's the projected? Is it like is it like 20? 
No, I would say closer to 15. Okay. Because I also have Jonathan Grenard on this list, too. Okay, that's another good one. There's actually some pass rush depth in this free agency and that's And that's the conversation that I wanted to have when we went through this free agency exercise is I totally agree with you. I think they need offensive line upgrades. But there's way more possibilities at upgrading edge in free agency than there are offensive line. So I'd rather try to spend the money for a Bryce Huff, for a Brian Burns, for a Jonathan Grenard, and then hit offensive line heavy in like round two of the draft, then try to do the opposite. Yeah, I, I, I'm i sorry. I was reading some more free agency stuff. It's I'm with you all the way. So you're looking at it. Bryce Huff, uh, Josh Uche. Yep. You brought Gren- Grenard. I mean, even a, a like a rotational guy like Andrew Van Ginkle. Like when he's had to play Could now, nice. now he'll play a pivotal role because both Chubb and Jalen Phillips are out. I mean, there's pass rushers in this free agency. They got to go get one. They got to go get one because they, they, they traded both theirs. This kind of yeah. though brings me back. And I guess this isn't really the show for it, but like, you kind of wish they just paid Montez sweat. <sighs> well, it, it looks, been, it looks, it looks really bad good. now, doesn't it? Cause yeah. he's been, he's been really good. And, Look, I was I was skeptical of the trade when it happened. Yeah, you know, I, I I when I looked at Montez Sweat, I was like, okay, not a very high pass rush win percentage guy. Like he's been around like eleven percent at the highest his entire career. Right, so great like, against okay, the run, but yeah, like I'm not I'm not really paying a run defending edge that much if he can't win as a pass rusher, and he is absolutely won as a pass rusher this year. I think for both teams, so hindsight yeah maybe you, you hang on to that one but at least they got a decent pick for him at least they got a that's decent. true they did and um you know they'll have a chance to to solve the needs that they they prioritize a new regime so it's an attractive job when you look at the resources 100 it is so but you yeah. brought up a great point like tonic most cap in the league active cap they can fill their needs at edge and free agency they could draft their needs a little bit on the offensive line that quarterback it's a lot to like so the only the other player that I would throw out there because I do think they need an upgraded linebacker, I wouldn't go after Devin White. No. I would go after Frankie Louvu. Oh, I don't yeah. I don't know if the Panthers let him out of the building because he's been damn good for them. He's been awesome. But if he hits the market, the 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 baseline dream that I would have for the commanders for the offseason is you're bringing back cam curl you're bringing back jeremy reeves because he's great for you on special teams you're probably letting curtis samuel walk you're probably letting kendall fuller walk you're probably letting antonio gibson walk i'd sign jalen johnson if you could do it i'd sign frankie louvu if you could do it i'd take a big swing at brian burns if you could do it and if i miss out on brian burns i'm going for like john grenard bryce huff uh dorance armstrong like or like maybe even, a couple of these guys even leonard floyd Right, so, right. Floyd so, an awesome year for the something Bills. Something like that. So that would be my cap plan before yeah. we head into the draft. I'm with you. All right. Bill, All right. Basically, you're going to build up the defense as much as you can because yes. the because re- the uh, supply is there. Yes. Yeah, and and you gotta it, that would to me is maximizing the supply and demand ratio of both the draft 
and free agency for this team. So Absolutely. we're going to do we're going to do a mini three round mock draft, which for the commanders, that's five picks because they got two picks in the second round, two picks in the third round. So we're going to get we're going to get into that in a sec. But got to talk to you about our friends over price picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Easily the most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more, you pick less. It is that easy. It's that simple. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or you pick less on two to six players. Stat projections, watch the winnings roll in. That's all you got to do. Price Picks even offers a reboot policy so your entries can stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. You got a player who exits the game in the first half, doesn't return for the second. That player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Our uh, one of our producers over at PFF threw together a official PFF Price Picks lineup for the last week of the regular season. We got Mike Evans more than sixty-two and a half receiving yards. My man, George Pickens more than fifty-six and a half receiving yards. Feels like it could absolutely happen against Baltimore this weekend. And then Bijan Robinson more than 66 and a half rushing yards against new orleans Whew! that one might come down to the wire that one might come down to the wire but i think that uh however you want to mix and match it those are the ones that we're going with uh you guys can have a lot of fun doing that too go to pricepicks.com backslash nflsc use the promo code nflsc for a first deposit match up to 100 that is pricepicks.com backslash nflsc promo code nflsc First deposit match, $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy, folks. It's everybody's favorite time, baby. Oh, yeah. Fire up the PFF mock draft. Put the hamster on the wheel. Get the hamster on the wheel. Put the hamster on the wheel. That's how we fire up the mock draft simulator. We use solar power. So everybody who's watching on YouTube, you can see what we're doing. And if you're audio only, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're going to pff.com using the fully unlocked mock draft simulator. You can do that where you can do a mock draft with three rounds, four rounds, five rounds, six rounds. Even you sickos can do seven rounds. Oh, we made it. You can do that right now over at pff.com. So let's dig into it, right? Commanders currently holding the number two overall pick. Now I will say this margin of strength to schedule tiebreaker is so tight the commanders are four and two or four and 12 sorry the patriots are four and 12 and the arizona cardinals are four and 12. the commanders have a strength of schedule tiebreaker of 0.515 the patriots 0.518 so that is just razor thin going into this last week of the season so we will see if they actually end up with the number two overall pick. If they end up with the number number three overall pick, maybe we could go through like separate scenarios. But let's just do the one where they're picking at number two. So, I think they're in good shape right now. They're in, they're in good shape either way, for sure. All right, so Caleb Williams goes number one in this mock draft, which means Drake May. Or you mentioned offensive line. Are you tempted by offensive line? No, you got to take the quarterback here and try to capitalize on offensive line with your other picks on day two. Or do you trade back? No. No, you got to take the quarterback. Now, if people want to get into the conversation and go, I like Jaden Daniels or I like Michael Penix or whatever it may be like, that's a different conversation. But I think as we sit here today, it's Drake May. I agree. I'm thinking about Washington trading back to five with the Giants. 
getting multiple first round picks still ending up with Jaden Daniels. And I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't even know if that happens at this point. I don't know, man. I could I see three of the top four quarter, three of the quarterbacks go in the top four picks. Could take really Michael can't. Penix at five after what we saw I in mean, the sugar. Bowl. It wouldn't miss. He didn't miss. Dude. Insane. Dude. Said, we'll, we'll have that conversation. Your Penix QB three stock is at an all time high I, today. I, I know. I know. I woke up a new man <laughs> with the silk robe on and the cigar. <laughs> Courtesy of uh, Tampa Bay legend. That's My right. Next year. All right. So we'll, we'll go with Drake May here. We will go with Drake May. Now, if they're, if they're, let's say they were picking a three. Okay. Let's say the Patriots were picking a two instead. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Are you going offensive line? Or are you going like Jaden Daniels at three? I would have a team. I would trade the pick. Okay. For a team that wants Marvin Harrison. Because I think, Ooh, I think, I think nice. a team would, I think a team would pay a really high price to get him. And then I would just take the best left tackle available. Most likely. Okay. Actually, I would, depending on how far back you go, I might take Penix. Honestly, man, let me tell you, we're going to do the offensive tackle episode um on thursday and we're gonna go through our top 10 offensive tackles that we've done some of the regrades of these players i love the top three man yeah we've been texting a little bit i i think that and i I don't want to spoil too much of it because we'll get into it on thursday but i like that strategy of you saying hey trade down from number three and you can go down to a variety of spots you don't have to go down oh we can only go down two spots because if we don't get joe all we're screwed or if we don't get Olu right. Kishana, we're screwed. I don't think that's the case. I think that you might be able to go anywhere, trade down anywhere within the top 10 and get an offensive tackle that you really love. So I, I, I just wanted to shout that out to say I, I do like that thought process of them maybe first and foremost looking for a trade down if they end up getting number three. But we'll go with Drake May here. So Drake May at number two. Now on the clock, second pick of the second round. We could still get Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix. Okay, all right. So these <laughs> these guys are not going to be here. We've got to update the board. So we're going to act kidding. like these guys are not going to be here. Well, it doesn't um, matter. We got our guy anyway. So it's, hold on, it's crazy. What Jaden Daniels' average draft position is twelve point five. How did he make it to thirty four? I don't know. He he got the Laramie Tunzel treatment. Yeah, here. Oh, man, it's true. It's like, what are you doing with a gas mask on the night of the draft? Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> god hell yeah all All right right, so so what's our offensive line depth looking like here let's look at offensive tackles oh i'm taking troy fountain now yeah so troy fountain is here Uh, he is somebody who can play offensive tackle for you he can play interior um again not to spoil too much i like the same for jordan morgan i think you'd be an offensive tackle thinking you'd be an interior guy yep um with both of these guys here yeah i i i i like i like fountain now here this I think that makes a ton of sense. He's a really good rules. offensive lineman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Guyton has been a big riser, obviously. Um, Haven't watched him. I got to watch him before yeah, Thursday. Yeah, give him, give him a watch for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, getting fought now at 34 is a, it's an absolute heist. All right. Wh- who I think he's a top 20 player. Hold on. Let's go hey, top 20 player. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's look at edge rushers. Okay, so edge rushers, we got Joan Ellis, got Jack Sawyer, we got Adiza Isaac. 
Yeah, I mean, complimentary guys, right? Yeah, right. we had a run on edge rushers, right? Yeah. Chris Braswell went right before this. JT Malowau ended up going in the first. That's round. okay. We signed Brian Burns and Bryce Huff. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. But I I just wanted to look at edge rushers. No, it's a good point. Say, hey, this is maybe what the scenario might be like, and this is with their first second round pick. This right. Is with like their second second round pick. So I think we made the right move going with uh, the edge rush strategy and free agency offensive line strategy here in the draft. So we'll take Fountain now, the offensive tackle from Washington. Pick 42, so only, what, nine picks later? Yep. Back on the clock, because this was the Montez Sweat trade selection from the Chicago Bears. Man, you, you double up on O-line. I, I might take Patrick Paul here, honestly. Man. Yeah, I like Jordan Morgan more than I like Patrick I do, Paul. too. I was thinking the only problem with the Morgan Fontenelle pick is, like, is there a scenario where two years you look at it and you're like, damn, we got two guards. Mm, and they're both sure. all, I don't I don't know yet, and I'll have a better answer for everybody on Thursday uh, because Morgan is at the towards the end of my list. But that's the only thing I'm – I think I've had Morgan and Fontenelle ranked much higher than the other guys on the board still. Okay. I, I don't know. Morgan's got such good feet. I think he could play tackle. I really do. I, I think he can too. <sighs> you know, I want to pull up their depth chart again um, and just kind of look how this would shake out because now this is a really, this is looking like a really good draft for the commanders right here. Very. Yeah. I think I Why would ask fat now to play left tackle. And then I'd probably play Morgan at one of the guard spots or the other way around depending on what my staff thought. Yeah. Oh, uh, they more... might both be playing tackle. They might be playing both tackle spots now that I look at their roster. Well, they have Wiley, right? Yeah. So Wiley's going to play there. So one of them's yeah. going to have to play guard. Which is fine. Off the bat, which I think is fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I... Does anybody else tempt you here? Because we've got TJ Tampa on the board. Not... No, because I love TJ Tampa, but... Keon Coleman's on the board. They got to develop some corners and they probably got to sign one in free agency. Hedron Cooper. I talked about a linebacker need, but I, I I don't think they need to do that. Not with this asset. Right. I mean, no. Jonah Ellis. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Jonah Ellis. I just, I really like the idea of hiring one of the three guys with like the theme of this show, hiring one of the three guys we said. Yeah. And then drafting the quarterback and then, building the offensive line in front of him like that's that's everybody aligned to me yeah cosme's playing pretty good at guard at one of the guards which is on right guard so yeah and the other two could stay on the left side which they played over the last couple of years right and they'll grow together yeah didn't they draft uh who'd they draft did they just draft man didn't they just draft a young dude at center Am I crazy? I'm pulling they... everything up right now. Yeah, they drafted Ricky Stromberg Ricky in the Stromberg. third round. Yes, yes. I totally yes, forgot yes. about that. Yeah, right. Who I think Did he'd he be fine. Hurt? I think he is hurt. He has yeah. to be hurt. Yeah, yeah he's, he's been on IR. I thought yeah, so. That's a shame. But he could be a big piece next year if he comes back all right. Okay, so you want to go? You want to double up year. on the offensive line? Yeah, knee injury on no- in November. Yeah, I would double up on the offensive line. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense with the board the way that it is. Just get an extra. Uh, I feel right, great. Like I, I love this draft. Yeah. Now we're doing, we're doing real well here. Um. Okay. We're not walking away from the table. I'm here all top night. of the third round. 
Okay. Oh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. That's a that's a need fit for sure. Him or and Peyton Pey- Wilson. Or, or Peyton Wilson. Yeah, him and Peyton Wilson for sure. I think Peyton Wilson's probably more likely to be available at 66 just because of the injury history. I think so too. And Jeremiah Trotter probably going to get a little bit of a bump because the linebacker class is thin. Okay. Yeah, I would I would go with one of those two. Really knock out need, but also get a little bit of the value back here. Oh man, can we get Maris Lafu? I have to watch him still. Oh, I like him a lot. When's, it sounds like you pick? do. When's our next pick? When's our next pick? Damn it, it's a comp pick. Yeah, it's the end of the round. Shoot, I don't think we're gonna be able to get him. Is that the Chase Young pick? It is. Yeah, this is Chase Young pick. Yeah. Damn, do you see the game Byron Murphy had? Dude, he's a, he's a beast. Him and him and Sweat are just bro. He might go top fifty. Dude. Yeah, he's been flying. He might be. He's I been mean, flying. That dude can. That get that dude can get into the backfield, and there's just not a lot of three techs that you could say like, oh yeah, he's he's definitely got great pass rush ability. No, he's and explosive. He's, he's been playing really really well. Um. So Trotter, okay. I like that pick. Let's take Trotter. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, I think that that'd be really good for them. All right, let's let's take Trotter here, and then see what we got at one hundred. Simulating it. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I actually would think running back here. So we're probably letting Antonio Gibson walk. Right. They have uh, Brian Robinson, and they have Chris Rodriguez. They do, and Rodriguez has run really hard when he's gotten a chance. Right, so... But they need a guy that can be a legit pass-catching threat unless they go out and... I will I will say the running back class in free agency has a lot of good third-down-style running backs. I know, I feel like... like Austin Eckler's market I don't think is going to be great um, if you want to go get somebody like that. Jarek McKinnon. Tony Pollard had a tough year. Like, there's guys that can be that that change of pace pass catcher for you if you don't want to use a draft pick on one but i don't know donovan edwards is intriguing to me um unless we want to just use all our resources on more premium needs i have no problem with that i like the running backs that are here right it's just a matter if you really want to use a, a top 100 pick on one right like for a team should... that i don't yeah curtis samuel's a free agent right yes I don't hate Jamari Thrash or some kind of explosive slot, unless I'm going to just play Dotson in the slot instead next year and play McLaurin on the outside and look for another perimeter target. Yeah, that's kind of the way that I would yeah. go about it. But who do we have? Let's check wide receiver. Uh, okay, it's Trey Harris. I got to take him out because he's not. He he says he's going back to school. I guess it's okay. not like totally official. He could he could come back out, but no, it's not really a big body. What about the depth of the edge pass rushing? Group? All right, let's take a look. I mean, now we're looking for like a rotational guy. So I like a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um, Powell Ryland said he's going back, so I got I got to take him out as well. What did Gabe Mur- Gabe Murphy end up doing? They declared him and they his brother. They did. Wow, because yeah. they played in the bowl game. Yeah, him and his brother did, and they're pretty good. I, I really yeah, like they them. are. Murphy is quick as hell, man. I'm very interested with Gabe Murphy with this pick. Okay, I'm I'm definitely cool with that. He Damn, can't be I, like your only edge rush addition for them. No, but if he's your third guy after you yes. sign two in free agency, perfect. Yes, with the two big guys they got on the interior and Payne yep. and Allen, like it all kind of starts to add up here. 
Yep. Stand up rusher. Yeah. All right. I, this Murphy. is a good draft. Like it, it makes you feel really good about the commanders when you go through this exercise because the, the fact that they have that premium pick at the top and then can fill out the rest and they have all these free agency dollars. Yep. This team, uh, they could turn this thing around in a hurry if they get it right at co- a head coach. Look, they really you know, can. All we're saying is Josh Harris. We're available. Buddy. We are consulting. We are here. We yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we're not leaving you, the podcast. You've done a lot. Yeah, of course not. No, 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 no. We, 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 we know that you've done a lot of consulting in the past. You know how valuable that it could be. Hit us up. NFLSC, hit the line. So for everybody who's audio only, can't see the screen that I have in front of me right now. We took Drake May with the number two overall pick in the first round. Took Troy Fountain, the left tackle from Washington, at pick number 34 in the second round. And then at pick 42 in the second round, we took offensive tackle Jordan Morgan. One of those two guys, probably going to play left guard for you. So new left tackle, new left guard. In the third round, pick 66, we went linebacker Jeremiah Trotter Jr. And in the third round, pick 100, we went with a specialized pass rusher. Another guy to get into the rotation, Gabriel Murphy, a guy who I really like. A lot of good quickness, a lot of good hand usage, just has a knack for getting off blocks, getting into the backfield. Um, I really like Gabriel Murphy. There we go. We did it. We fixed the commanders. We fixed the commanders. They will be winning the NFC East next year. Place your preseason tickets while you can. Yeah, do it. Not for the games, your betting tickets. Right, of course. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, we would love to hear from you, as we always like to do here with these Fix Your Franchise episodes. Best way to do that, youtube.com backslash at NFL Stock Exchange. Hit us up in the comments. We are reading and replying to as many as we can. Uh, again, this is one of our favorite exercises to be able to do that because the possibilities are endless, especially with the team with the draft capital the commanders have, the flexibility with the coaching staff. Uh, with the front office let us know who you would go for there where you would spend your free agency dollars maybe if we missed a player in free agency who is a free agent for them or just a target that you like we would love to hear whatever it is you don't have to give us the full game plan even if it's just hey one note hey i i this part of what you guys were talking about i would have done this hit us up in the comments the best way to do that if you're audio only you can hit us up on x as well as instagram at tampa bay trey at connor j rogers i teased it before the second episode this week is going to be offensive tackle rankings for the 2024 NFL Draft. And let me tell you, the class is noise. There's a lot of good guys at the top that we really like, a lot of potential first-rounders. Um, and I think it's a pretty deep class as well. There's a lot of names that I'm watching these players, and I'm like, man, we got to be talking about these guys a little bit more. Right. So we're going to get into not just the guys that we love at the top and the order in which we would take them at the very top, but also some of the depth position because it's not often that you have a class where you go, yeah, you can wait to get offensive line. Right. This might be a class where you could actually get away with doing something like that. I know. That's, that's what's exciting is that you get to – some of the guys that are projected towards the back end around one and you're like, Oh, like this is, this guy could maybe start right away or develop into a starter. And obviously this isn't, this isn't even a spoiler, you know, all the talk around all and Fashanu and now who's better. And you and I have been texting about a third guy in the mix that we are extremely, extremely high on as well. There's a lot to unpack with this one. And, um not only will it be exciting to do the top five of the tackles but to talk about the guys on the outside looking in and then ultimately prepare for when our rankings significantly expand i know yours have already as well uh because like you said trev this class is really deep and i think the commander's mock draft was a great teaser of that i mean we were sitting there with day two picks and we're like damn 
Right. We we can really rebuild this offensive line right now with back to back O line picks. Yep. Yep. Dude, it's it's I'm I'm excited to get your full thoughts on this offensive tackle class. I'm excited to do the same from everybody after they watch and listen to the episode. Getting in on the comments there as well. The calendar now says 2024, folks, which means we are just four months away from the 2024 NFL draft. We're gonna have a ton of different types of coverages for you guys: the mock drafts, the rankings, uh, the mailbags, all that good stuff. I'm very excited about what this calendar year. Has for the draft season, has for this podcast, has for the interaction that we get to have with you guys. And uh, Thursday is going to be the next chance that we get to do that. I'm Trevor Sikama. That's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We will see you on Thursday. Thursday.